Glad you joined us today, and whether you're here in the sanctuary, uh, over in the cathedral, maybe in the atrium, or watching us online, we uh, welcome you to uh, join us today for the wrap-up of a series that we've called Full of It. So you want to sit for a minute, just let's stand up and and let's pray together as we turn to the Lord and His Word. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Your Word is a lamp unto our feet, it's a light to our path. And you said that wherever you sent your word out, it would never return to your void, but always accomplish the things that you want it to accomplish. And so today we ask you to use your word to teach us, to strengthen us, and most of all, to draw us close to you. We want to get into that secret place of the Most High. We want to live from a place in your courtyards. And so, Lord, help us to do that today as we learn together in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said... Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. If you would open your Bibles with me to John, the 10th chapter and the 10th verse, it's the text that we've been using for this series, and you'll notice uh, as you look in your Bible, by the way, our ushers have Bibles here. If you'd like to follow along with us, we're going to look at about a dozen scriptures this morning and see that God's Word uh, is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago when it was written. And uh, the Bible, or the Lord says to us, the Bible is God's word breathed into the hearts of men who wrote it down. And so we can trust God's word to be his truth on which we live by. But here's what it says in John 10 and verse 10. Notice it's in red. Jesus' words are, are written in red. He said this, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He goes on to say, I have come that they, that's speaking of us, may have life. And that they may have it, that life, more abundantly. Everybody say more abundantly. I like how the Amplified Bible describes this kind of life that Jesus came to give us. It says this, that it would be in abundance to the full till it overflows. I think he's describing two basic kinds of life. We could describe it something like this, a life that has gain or a life that has loss. A life that's full or a life that's empty? A life that's moving forward or a life that's stuck or either moving backwards? And finally, a life that's running towards the will of God or a life that's running from the will of God? One, life produce, one way of life produces life. One way of life produces death. And Jesus said, the life that I've come is a life of life. It's full, it's overflowing, and it's abundant. He's also reminding us that we have a common enemy to all this kind of life who uses uncommon schemes to keep us from experiencing the very life that Jesus died to give us, a life of gain, a life that's moving forward, that's running towards the will of God. I don't know about you, but when you look at those two kinds of life, I like the one that's full. I like the one that's abundant. I like the one that causes us to want to run towards the will of God that says, listen, God, I want all of you. Whatever you got for me, I want it. I want to have that kind of life. It isn't just going to happen, but we have to work for it, not not, uh, be be focused on it and, and, and put effort towards it. And by the grace of God, we can live that kind of life. So as I considered what that kind of life would look like, what's the the fruit of a life like that? Well, this life that's full till it overflows. What would it look like? And it seemed to me that that kind of life, you'd have to be faithful. And so we talked about that in in week one, about the the power 
of just being faithful in, in life and in, in what that brings you, the fruitfulness of a faithful life. And we talked about being thankful and how important it is to be thankful. And, and then we threw in there a, a talk about one of the things that we need not to be full of, and that's pride and how pride really locks, us door to, locks the door to a supernatural life with God to really live the kind of life that God designed for us to live because we just get full of ourselves. And we get full of ourselves, we don't have much room for God in our life. But I found I, I want to have less of me and more of him. Somebody say amen to that. Which brings us to today, and I just want to spend just a few minutes with you talking about the importance of being prayerful, about being prayerful. If there's one area that this enemy of ours works overtime to keep us from, it's from having a meaningful prayer life. Even when I talk about prayer, for some of us it's like, oh man, I wish you'd talk about anything but prayer because it's been something that's been difficult for you. To, to, to have a regular prayer time or to spend time with God. But today I want to just kind of clear the air and make it, just make it so simple for you to just say, oh gosh, if that's all having a meaningful prayer life is and being prayerful, I, I want that. It's certainly something that God wants for you and, and him to have together. But the enemy works overtime to keep us from that. He finds ways to distract us, to say, well, that's just not something that, that works in your life because he knows the power that you and I can experience in life when we live a life that's prayerful. So let's just look at a couple of verses on prayer, and then I want to kind of dig into it and look at some examples uh, in the life of Jesus with you. We talked about this verse last week. Go ahead and turn over to uh, Psalm 100, the 100th Psalm in the fourth verse. It's really, to me, the platform on which to develop a, a, a meaningful prayer life, and it's, it's important to understand this really simple concept. We sort of touched on it last week, but let me kind of dig into it just a little bit more. Verse 4 says this. Now, now you know the book of Psalms is a, is, a, is a book of songs. We call them psalms, but they're songs. They're, 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 they're connecting points for us and the Lord. You know, you can remember things when it's the, the words of a song are sung. We're going to you know, sing some songs from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s during the retro production. But some of those songs, you remember the words because they were put to music. Well, these psalms that we have in the Bible were, were, were words put to music to help you to remember it. And one of these psalms says this, enter his, speaking of the Lord, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. We talked about that last week. And enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Here's how we describe it. I, I just, for those of you who weren't here last week, you missed a great message, and so I'd encourage you to, to follow up uh, and listen to it online. I think it was good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm t- now stop it. Just, it'll just, you know, then it'll be all about me the rest of the time. Okay, now, so, so here's what we talked about. If you can kind of picture the Lord inside of a house in, in, a, in a town. He's inside of a house, and, and if a, a big house that's surrounded by a gate, a big gate, and then here's the house, and inside the house is a courtyard that's very private and very personal. And so most people live out in the streets, and so, you know, we're all out in the streets, there's noise, there's lots of things going on, but then there's the gate of the house. So we enter the gate with thanksgiving. So we enter into the gate, we enter into the gate of the house. We're now inside of the house's property. We're not on the street anymore. So it's gotten, gotten quieter, but not, but not private. 
There are other people inside the house. There's other people around. But, but we want to get to the point where through praise, through our continuing to push into this relationship we have with the Lord, we want to get into the court or the courtyard. If you can kind of picture in your mind what a, what a courtyard would look like and with, with, with comfortable chairs and a, a place of privacy where you could go out with a cup of coffee and your Bible and just maybe listen to some music and, and just spend some time with the Lord. Well, picture two seats out there, one for you and, and one for him. It's what he's describing, that, that you and I could get off the street, get into the, through the court, through the gate, into the house, and then ultimately get into where this courtyard is, where we could have this time alone with, with God. I think one of the concepts that we as Christians have the most difficult time embracing is that God's very personal. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Now, some of us, our relationship with God is really more public in, in, in the sense that it's, we have that here together. Now, there's a real reason we gather corporately because in, we gather corporately. We're here to in, obviously worship God. We're here to learn, to grow. The Bible tells us that pastors are to, to lead and feed. We're to help to teach you about your relationship with the Lord. But really, it's not about us. It's about you and God. It's we help this relationship between you and him. And so he really wants you to learn to have that connection with him that's, 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 that's just you and him. Yes, you share that relationship with others, but he becomes very personal to you. Does that make sense? So, so this is how it happens. We've we got to get ourselves off the streets where, where all the noise of the world is. The Bible says there's lots of voices in the world, none without significance. So there's a lot of things going on, but you get into the through the gates and things sort of quiet down, then you can put your focus on the Lord and you can find that place that you're in the courtyard. The Bible calls that in certain times a, a secret place or, or a private place. Jesus said, go into your closet and pray. You don't have to literally go into a closet, but you just find that place of, of, of intimacy with him. The Bible often refers to it as communion with God that you and I can have a communion with God. Sometimes we call it practicing his presence or just getting with God. It's a place to live your life from, this idea that you and I can really truly have a, a meaningful relationship with God. It's described as being prayerful. It's really what we're talking about, having just this connection to God. Because what is prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. It's communion with God. It's, it's, it's spending time with him and, and with his word. And so we want to get ourselves off the streets, through the gates, into the house, and then into the courtyard. So what else does God say about prayer? Well, in Proverbs eight seventeen, he says, I love those who love me. Now, God loves all of us, but what is he saying here? They're saying there's something, something happens, some sort of connection happens when we acknowledge our love for God. And I think sometimes for guys, that's really hard. We love our wives. We, we love our trucks. You know, we're okay saying that, but it's, it's weird when we say we love Jesus. We love God. Well, we got to get ourselves to there. He says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Say diligently. It's a great word. It just means to do it with purpose. Now, now clearly, God is describing to us the, 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 the power of having a meaningful relationship with him 
in prayer. He's talking about connecting with him as we seek him. But what he doesn't say is, listen, seek me diligently. Make, up, make it purposeful, but you really, 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 really have to work hard at this. And maybe I might show myself to you. I might, I might reveal myself to you. I might tell you some things. He's not saying that. He's saying it's, it's, it's easier. It, it, it's, it's, it's easy to get into that place where you find connections with God. In fact, Jesus said it this way. If you look over at Matthew 7, in verse 7, Jesus said, again, it's written in red in your Bible. It says, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So again, let's look at that. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it will be opened. It's real clear. He's obviously saying there's going to be results, positive results for our effort, the things that, that we do. He says for everyone, that means all of us, there's no uh, exclusivity in this. It's not, well, you're a pastor, you're a, sort of a clergy person, you can connect with God. No, God wants to connect with everybody, with all of us, young and old, new to faith, long-time believer. God wants to connect with all of us. He says for everyone who asks, receives. He who finds, or who seeks, finds, and he who knocks it will be opened. Again, he repeats himself. He says it once, and he says it again. He, Listen, I want you to get this. This is, this is the way life works. This is how you can connect with me. I love how the New Living Translation translates this verse. Here's how it says it. Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Now, I don't think that when the Lord says this, what he's saying to us is that if we, we just got to keep on praying, keep on asking, keep on knocking, well, then just maybe, just maybe, if we do it hard enough, we do it long enough, that somehow God will magically or mystically uh, open up the door and, and reward us with an answer. I don't think he's talking like that. Because it's God's will to connect with us. If I, we weren't sure about that, then, then maybe this verse would say, well, you just have to work harder to connect with God. No, I think what he's talking about when he says, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, is a lifestyle. A lifestyle. In other words, I don't just pray once in my life. I pray all the time in my life. We don't just seek God once or twice or occasionally or at a prayer meeting or at a church service. No, we can seek God 24-7, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. You can have a relationship with God. You can seek him and you can find him. Jesus said it this way. Because really what we want to do is we want to get to that place in that courtyard where we're with him. With him. So... He's who we want to connect with. And here's what he said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, makes this connection, except through me. So our, our goal in life, then, is to connect with Jesus. And the way we connect with him is we learn from him. He's the way. In other words, he's an example. We're to follow his example. So, I, so, so again, so how do I learn this? Well, we learn it from the master. We learn it from the one who we're trying to connect with. He'll show us the way. He's the way. 
No one else is the way. He's the way. So, so what does he do? What, what was his example of, of life? Because certainly he came on a, with a mission. He came to fulfill his mission. His mission was to die. Never feel sorry for Jesus that he died on a cross. No, he did that to complete the will of his father. He did that to complete his mission for us. He accomplished it. Somebody say amen to that. Aren't you glad that he shed his blood for you? But he's the way, the truth, and the life. So he demonstrated it. How, how, how does that kind of life look then? In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, it says this about Jesus. It says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. If you've got a written Bible, circle that phrase, solitary place. And there he prayed. Now let me ask you, a solitary place, would that be on the streets or would that be in the courtyard? That would be in the courtyard. So what did he do? He departed early. He got away from the noise, got into that private place. Here it's called a solitary place. And there he prayed. He connected with his father. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Again, speaking of Jesus. So he himself often withdrew until the wilderness and prayed. Again, Mark tells us that he got up early, went into that solitary place. Here in Luke, it says he often withdrew, him, withdrew himself to the wilderness and prayed. Is the wilderness the street or, or is it the courtyard? The courtyard, sure. Again, we're, we're reminded, we're seeing a pattern here that when Jesus needed to have some time with his father, he needed to connect. He got off the street, he went to a private place, wherever that place is. Now, the good news for us is your private place might literally be a closet in your house. It might be your car, it might be a, the sunroom, or it might be a place in the basement, it might be a place at work, the break room, whatever it might be for you, this place that that you can go to and to pray. So yeah, but what, this is about Jesus. What about, what about us? Well, again, you've got to turn to the Word. What does the Bible say for to do? In Philippians 4 and verse 6, this is what the Lord tells us. He says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't have these cares that weigh you down. Don't, don't be anxious. Don't be worried. You don't have to carry a weight of worry around. You don't have to do that. Well, how, Lord? How do I not be concerned about my life and my job and my kids and my church and my this and that and all the things happening in your life? Well, here's how. He goes on to say this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Well, where do I do that? Where do I let my request be made known? Well, I get off the street and I get into the quiet place. I get into that solitary place. I go to that wilderness. I, whatever you want to call it, I find my courtyard and there I bring it to the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.17 says we're to pray without ceasing. Again, what does that mean? You just walk around the street mumbling all the time, praying out loud like some weirdo? No, it just means have a habit of praying. Constantly engage your heart with God's. Always invite him into every area of your life. Every area. So you're not just limited to having these God connections or these God moments 
when we're here together in church. You're to have God moments throughout the week. What we come and do here is we have those moments, but we also celebrate the moments we've had throughout the week. We're, we're thankful to God that he's been with us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And now I come to church on Sunday and I spend time thanking him for all he's done and is doing in our lives. So what else about Jesus? What else do we learn from him? Well, we know that he went to God in this solitary place for direction. In uh, Luke chapter 6, look at verse 12. Luke 6 and 12. It says, Now it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to a mountain and to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Now, notice, he he went again to a solitary place. He went up the mountain where people were, and he got off the street, through the gate, into the courtyard. He went up to a mountain, and and he prayed. But this was a different kind of prayer time than he's had in other occasions, because this time, specifically, it says he prayed all night. Now, we don't see this in other references in Scripture, but this time he did. You, you may have heard the term pray through something. I'm praying through something. It, it's like you're praying, but as you're praying about something, you just know this is going to take longer than a minute or two. You know, there are certain things you pray that, that you just believe God for. You, you ask the Lord for you. Just call it so and call it done and amen. I don't have to keep praying about it because I know it's God's promise. Like, for instance, safety. Beth and I will get on an airplane. An airplane will always say as we're walking down the jetway, out loud, anybody can hear us. They ought to hear us because they should (laughs) do what we're doing. We say, Lord, thank you that the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the angels of God surround us and protect us. Airplane, pilot, passenger, crew, wings, wheels, engines, will take off safely, will land safely, and our bags will get there in Jesus' name. Now you say, well, do you really need to pray that your bags get there? Yes. Because <laughs> if you knew how much hair product we brought with us, and if that's not there, I'm hurting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I am hurting for certain. So that's a prayer. You know, we don't get on the airplane and just, you know, bow our heads and go into deep, heavy intercession over the airplane. No, we believe God's going to keep us safe. So we go on the plane and we don't worry. We're We've prayed, we believe God, it's over. But there are certain things you pray for, you just don't come to a conclusion. You just don't, if you're praying for direction, it's like, you, you, when do you know to stop praying for direction? When you get direction. So in this case, Jesus prayed all night, and, and we're going to find out why this happened. With, for him, look at verse 13, it says, When it was day, he called his disciples to himself, which was a good large group of people, and from them... His, this group of disciples, he chose 12, whom he named his apostles. Now, without the apostles, the church sinks. This is the start of the church, really, as Jesus picks the 12 who are going to follow him, and, and they're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so the picking of these 12 is an important event. It took Jesus all night to pray this through till he got the direction, and then he said, okay, I got it. I know who the, the 12 will be. So what do we do? A big decision has to be made. What, what do we do? How do we, how do we face that? Well, I, I think certain things we do, which just makes common sense, is, is 
is we, we go out on the street, for instance, and we gather as much information about the decision we're trying to make. If we're trying to buy a house, well, I'm looking at all the houses around. I'm looking at the things that are out there. I'm, I'm checking. I'm getting a realtor. I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm finding what I can, you know, I get pre-approved for a loan. I, you look at different size houses, different types of houses, different neighborhoods. Different, you just go on the street and gather information. That's the start. Then you might go into the, through the gates, into the, into the house. And, and the house would represent a place like this, a church where I have fellow believers. I go out on the street and gather all sorts of information about interest rates and all sorts of things that are sort of non-spiritual. And then I, I might ask advice in the house of trusted friends who are believers, who, who I can trust their judgment. So I gather even more information from those that are in the house. But ultimately, where do I want to get to? I want to get to the courtyard. Because in the courtyard is inside information. So that's what makes your life and my life different from those out here, those that are out on the street. Because you and I have inside information. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. You're connected to the spirit of God, the creator of the heaven and earth, who knows the beginning from the end, who knows all things. So how do we make decisions? We may start in the street and gather information. We may come into the house and get some good advice from the multitude of counselors. The Bible says there's wisdom. But ultimately, we want to get into the courtyard and get the inside information. So when we make a decision, we know, you know what, God, I, I know what to do. I've seen it in the Word. God spoke to me in prayer. God, he helped me. He advised me. I can make a choice. I can make a decision. And I can stand on the decision that I made. Somebody shout amen to that. See, that's the way it's supposed to work. We ultimately get our advice from the courtyard and make our decisions. So one thing that Jesus demonstrated to us is how to get direction in the courtyard. Another way he helps us is when he needed comfort. If there was anybody on the earth that bonded with Jesus, it was John the Baptist during this time period. And because, of course, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, and he, he knew who Jesus was. He called him the, the Lamb of God. He, he called him that as he water baptized him, and he witnessed the Spirit uh, come upon Jesus and the anointing on the life of Jesus. And so there was a connection, I think even greater of a connection and an understanding than Jesus' own siblings. But John the Baptist was murdered. Just it was a terrible story. You can read it in the Bible. But he was murdered. His head was chopped off. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, that when Jesus heard it, he departed there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Where did he go? Well, he got off the street. He went into the house, and then he got into the courtyard because he got by himself. See, there are many times in life when you appreciate the comfort that you get on the street. You know, stuff in life happens, and you get hurt. You grieve. You're sad. And people around you at work or other places and people that you might know, they, they, they try to comfort you. There's even comfort that's even maybe a little bit more meaningful that comes from those within the house. You know, we get comfort from one another. We're to comfort one another, the Bible tells us. 
So we receive a level of comfort from each other uh, just uh, in the process of grieving. But the greatest comfort you'll ever receive is the comfort you receive in the courtyard. In the privacy of that secret place where God just sort of wraps his arms around you. I don't know how to describe it, but it's real. And it's life-giving. It's what gets you through the tough stuff. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 94, 19, In the multitudes of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights my soul. The New Living Translation says, When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. When my doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. When something happens that you were believing wouldn't happen, somebody dies, you think, well, I didn't expect that. And you just have questions. Where do you go? Well, you're not going to find the answer in the streets. A lot of times you don't even find the answer in the house. You find the answer in the courtyard. It's when you go to God. And he speaks to you. I know this because I faced a lot of loss in my life. You know, I, well, you may not know, but my, my mom died. And when my mom died, I, I'll never forget, we were, at the time, in our, we were in our old building, we were doing four services, and we had two on Saturday and two on Sunday. And, and it was Saturday night after the second service, I was driving home. And I remember exactly where I was. My brother called and said, my mom died. And uh, she'd been sick. So, of course, I'm sad, very sad. But church has to go on tomorrow, and, and I have to be in front of hundreds of people and be excited and powerful and all that stuff that you're supposed to be. And, but, Jen, I'm hurting, so what do I do? Well, I get comfort from my wife and my kids, uh, but I don't, I don't talk about it in service because... I just don't, I can't, I can't do that and do what I'm supposed to do. So I go to the secret place and get comfort. Then my dad died, my sister died, one brother shot himself and died, the other one just died in his bed all by himself. I'm the last Jones standing. Had a family of six. They're all gone, just me. That's sad. But you know what's helped me? I know what it's like to be in the courtyard. I'm well-versed in the streets. I know what the streets are like. I know what the house is like. We, we pastor a house. But I tell you what, there's just something comforting when God, the God of all comfort, comforts you in a meaningful way. Maybe you're here this morning and you've dealt with some loss. Most of us have. It's not exclusive to me. And if you're hurting, get in the courtyard. Find that place with the Lord. It's what Jesus did. It's an interesting thing. He finds out that John the Baptist has been murdered and he goes to this place and receives comfort. Right after that, we won't read it this morning, right after that he feeds the 5,000. Which is amazing to me because he's mourning and yet he's placed 
almost immediately in a situation where he has to come through and help people. And of course, you know, he multiplied the loaves and the, and the fish and all that stuff. And then verse 22, the same chapter, look at this. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. You get the impression that Jesus was well accustomed to that private place, that courtyard relationship with his father. He was mourning, received comfort. He came down and ministered to thousands of people with this miracle that happened. And when it was all said and done, he, he shooed the people away, told his disciples to take a break, and he went up to the mountain again to his private place, and he prayed. Well, what kind of prayer was that? I'm not, I don't know. I'd like to think that maybe it was a prayer of thanksgiving. That he said, just took time to say, God, that was really cool. That was really cool. All there was was this, these few pieces of bread and these fish. And, and man, I just felt like you were telling me to do such and such. And I, I did that. And, and man, oh man, it was just awesome. It was just awesome. Sometimes we think that Jesus wasn't surprised, not surprised, but wasn't like thrilled to see the things that happened in his life. Wouldn't that be cool? Imagine if you went out to, you know, Red Robin and had endless fries. No, you get endless fries at Red Robin. Well, somewhere. <laughs> old country, no, old country buffet, you can eat all you want. But you get the idea. You see, in that secret place, this courtyard where, where this relationship is with the Lord, it's really a time for you and him to sort of keep things in balance. And, and I know for me, it's, it's helped me over the years to always keep my feet on the ground because I realize without him, we can do nothing. Uh, but by him and with him, all things are possible, but it's him, not us. And so it keeps you from just getting full of yourself and thinking you can do anything. It's like, no, I can't do anything. Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said in, in John 5. He said, I don't do anything I don't see my father do. I don't say anything unless I hear him say it. What a great piece of advice for us. We don't do, we don't, I don't want to say nothing, that doesn't sound right. We, we don't do anything unless we're prompted by the Lord. We try to be prompted by him getting into that private place where we can, we can hear him. Is any of this making sense? I hope it's encouraging you because, again, that place is for everybody. Anybody who wants to, want to get there. And finally, I'll wrap up with this one. It's a place to align your will with God's. It's a place where we align our will with the Lord's. In, in Luke 22 and verse 41, Jesus had, had withdrawn from his disciples about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. He's talking about sacrifices, going to the cross. He said, nevertheless, not by what, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. One of the benefits of being a regular visitor into the courtyard is endeavoring to then align your life to God's will. When you align your life to the will of God and you know it, 
There is, there is great strength in um, perseverance when you're there. When you know you're doing what God's asked you to do, you know it. You know it. Why? Because you spent time with him. You know what his will is for you. You know what you're supposed to do. And so you do it. You still have to do it. Everything is by faith. You have to do it by faith. But, but there's a confidence. I knew that God wanted us to buy that cathedral. I knew it. I knew it like I knew my name. So we bought it. At the time, we actually weren't going to build this building next to it. We were just going to buy that cathedral because that's all I knew. I knew that. I knew God wanted us to preserve that building for him. Christ, the cathedral, was not going to be anything else but something that honored Jesus Christ on my watch. I knew it. I knew that's that's what God wanted us to do. And so when things worked out so we would build this building next to that, I knew this is what God wanted us to do. I didn't know that the neighborhood behind us wouldn't like that. God did not tell me that. I don't know why. We would have been happy to have known that, had we? But the problem is, had we known it, we probably wouldn't have done it. We probably wouldn't have had the stamina to fight. But I knew it. I knew that God wanted us to do it. And so it, this reminds me, as I was thinking about this verse, it reminds me of one of the times I, I went to the, to the planning commission, and I, in my mind I'm picturing myself going there alone. Now, I don't know, maybe Aaron Johnson might have been with me on this one. I, I don't remember. I think it was just me. It was a, one of the preliminary meetings, and it was just me and about 50 angry neighbors. Not happy neighbors. Angry people. Now, you might be here. You might have been one of the former, you know, may still be a neighbor, but you're not angry anymore. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I went to that meeting. I'm not angry. I'm just following God's will, I think. So either I'm following the Lord's will or I'm completely missing it. You ever been that way? You either, I think I'm doing the will of God, but if I'm not, well, God, I tried, you know? I have, a right, I have my heart's right. I think this is what you want me to do. So I sat in that meeting, and they were just one after another would get up and talk about what idiots we were and how stupid we were. And Well, I, maybe I, I should misquote them. I, let's just say they said things that, you know, my parents wouldn't have liked. <laughs> but I listened to it all. How do you do it? How do you get that strength and stamina? Only one way, knowing that you know that you know this is God's will. And if God's will is on your side, you're more than a conqueror. Amen. So do you know what you're doing is God's will? Have you been facing some decisions that you need to really get some direction on? You really need to connect with the Lord. Maybe you're hurting and you just need some comfort. Well, the answer is the same. Get to the courtyard. Get to that place where you connect with God. Is a life of abundance to the full, to the overflow possible? Yes. But only to the degree in which you draw close to Jesus. That's the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So you draw close to him, 
you realize you can't live without him. That you can't live without going to that secret place throughout the day, many times during the day. Because even while you're walking down the street, you know, you can get practice enough where you can pause and get quiet. No one will see you, but you'll pause. You'll step through the gate. Ah, it's quieter. Now, out here it's still noisy, but it's quieter. And you step into that courtyard, into that place with the Lord, and it's a place of peace. You want life to the full? Get to that place where it's peaceful, where it's joyful, where it's wonderful, where it's delightful, where it's successful, where it's powerful. A place with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for helping every one of us get to that secret place of the Most High. In Jesus' name, amen.